it's valuable and it cannot be held by physical hands, it's probably worth holding on to. This is Immaterial Treasures. I'm your host, Dan P. Parker. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Immaterial Treasures. I'm your host, Dan P. Parker. And today I have three gentlemen sitting in D.C. as we are about to converse about our different faith journeys. These three people that sit at this table were integral to me taking my faith seriously and uh, and pursuing my faith at different stages. We've all gone on our own little journeys, and today we're going to have a conversation about where we're at, what we believe about God still, um, the trials and difficulties on the journey, and uh, yeah, what, what we both, everyone distinctively thinks, where we've changed or what we don't agree on together or what we do agree on together. So for me, I would start. Um, my journey has been, I, I was here in Virginia for a bit, then moved to BC for school, and then never really came back here, just came to visit, and then moved to Toronto, got married. Um, and if I was to sum up my faith journey, I'd say that it's been one of, I've, I've never had a hard time believing the existence of God. I've just had a hard time trusting him. Um, so uh, I was reading the book of Jonah, actually, like two days ago, and I felt like my relationship with the Lord has been like that, where I've, it's like Jonah was really angry with God for no reason, or maybe he had reason but it wasn't a good one but god showed him a lot of compassion and i think that's been my journey of being angry with god for things the way my life is going sinning against god and him showing me compassion slow to anger towards me um and i i don't think i've had any like difficulties believing or like any big theological shifts have happened in my life but i would say that the ones that have been tested would be believing on whether or not you can lose your salvation. I think I've had a hard time at, um, at certain points. Just because of where I was at, I didn't think that the way I was living, I could say that I could be a Christian. And if I were to die, that I would, uh, you know, see Jesus. So I think um, that that's one thing that really got challenged. I also got challenged with, because um, I know all of us, we all kind of came out of like a reformed thinking for a bit, you know, and I had a difficulty with the sovereignty of God. Um, I couldn't make sense of the events of my life because there was no um, like ultimate meaning or like, oh, this is why you went through all this. I couldn't reconcile any of the events. And I didn't really start questioning God's sovereignty. Like, like I know he's in control of everything, but does he actually have a plan? Or am I just, is like random events, like what my life is. And it's really just about being faithful. It's, it, there's no like the ultimate plan will be unfolded when we die and I, I won't have any answer here. And I think the frustration of that um, made me want to live my own life. It's almost like I want to take the pen and write my own story. I didn't trust what he was writing. So I wanted to do my own thing and just ensure that I could be happy in my own way. Um, Cause right now what he's writing story he's writing in my life doesn't seem very pleasant. It's frustrating a lot of uh, slips and bumps and a lot of anger along the way. So I'd say that's probably my my journey in like a very quick and concise way. Where, where are you guys at? Um, who do we start with? I'll start with Jeff. Oh, Jeff, man. where are you at? Um, I love Jesus. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I think um, for me, the I think the questions that, 
that were troubling for me, I think I've I've come to realize that what I've believed like t- ten years ago, like I still believe now. You know, mm-hmm. that I believe that God is the creator, man was lost in sin, and Jesus came, fulfilled the law, lived it perfectly, and he's the only way back to God for those who would place their faith in Jesus and turn from their sins. Um, Along the way, I've been challenged, like, when I hear, like, other religions or worldviews, and it it made me like just question my faith, right? Just to say like, well, how do I know that this is really true? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and whenever I run into other religions and other worldviews, I do have a, a little sense of doubt, but I come back to to believe like what I've always believed. Like when I first believed in Jesus, I didn't know um, that there was like evidence um, that was out there to support like what I was believing in. And I also didn't know that a lot of history that I was told or that I was taught was tainted, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially in American um, society. Um, but as I, as I'm researching, as I'm studying, I'm still finding like the faith that I believed, even as what a 17 or 18 year old, um, like I still believe that. I still believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that he really died on the cross. He lived over 2,000 years ago, and that's a fact. And he rose from the grave three days later, proving that what he said is true, and that there were witnesses that saw that. And that even though there would be people that would come after that who would um, use the the name of Jesus for their own um, means and not to bring glory to God and that he's a savior to all the nations. But I come back and I realize that God is true. Um, And I think of this quote from Augustine um, that I just wanted to read. Um, it's one of my favorite quotes, and he says, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. And he was a, Augustine was an African Christian, um, and I just find comfort in that. Like, my heart is restless until my heart, until my heart finds rest in God alone. That's good. Ryan, what uh, what about you? Uh, yeah. So um, it's been it's been a journey. Uh, so I I came to the faith in about two thousand five, like towards the end of two thousand five, and um, you know, went on a uh, you know, been it was originally when I became a Christian. I think at the time I was going to like a an Assemblies of God church. So I went through that kind of that. that I say sect, I guess, and then you know, got went to reform theology and got married in two thousand thirteen. Um, went through separation, went through you know, divorce, went through custody stuff. Still kind of going through those things, 
and have really it's been it lost a lot of people, uh, close friends, um, uh, to either death or just moving away. So it's been it's been a it's been a trial, you know. Um, I myself have uh, gone on, you know, I've, I've rebelled a lot in my in 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 practice and in faithfulness, and uh, so I, it's. But one one thing I can say for sure is that um, um, the Lord has still been faithful in 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 keeping me. So um, I can't deny that, you know, and I and I can't even I can't deny the gospel either. Um, I, I know that more than w- me holding the gospel, the gospel holds me, and and uh, and in my times where I am just si- sitting, or I'm, you know, sometimes you know, God still reminds me of of His faithfulness and, and Jesus and who Jesus is, and um, and just His glory, and that, that's that's still. Uh, excites me, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, but I mean, of course, I, not where I would love to be right now. But you know, I am uh, still here and uh, still pushing forward. You know, slowly yeah. but surely. Yeah, yeah. It's good. P. Uh, yeah, yeah. So my experience, I think, tracks along with a lot of you. A lot of you guys. Um, I uh, I think I got saved similar time as you, Ryan, 2005, 2006. Yeah. So had a similar experience where I was um, leaving high school, going into college, trying to figure out um, what the rest of my life would look like, you know. Um, and uh, kind of had had a more Pentecostal sort of personal experience sort of um, beginning to my faith. And, um, I think that was very formative. So in a lot of ways I can share, I share similar sentiments as you guys, um, that like for me, Christ has always been central and it's still central. And that personal, for me, that personal experience is what really drives my faith even now today. That being said though, um, uh, what is it? It's been like 15 plus years. What I, what I believe about, you know, how Christians gather and the sort of systems that Christians have set up, at least in, in, in America um, or even in this sort of Western uh, world that we live in. Um, a lot of that has changed um, over the last 15 years. Um, I think when I was uh, becoming a Christian, or when I was becoming more mature as a Christian, I was very dogmatic about a lot of things. Um, but now I'm at a place where I like a lot of things that I was sure about, I, I'm not as sure um, and I'm not talking about like very clear doctrinal um, positions, but more like um, things that I was sure about when it, as it relates to like how whether or not you know a, sh- a church should be led by <laughs> you know one particular gender. Um, that's what those sort of so, those sort of questions. I'm not I'm not at all sure about that anymore. Um, most and I, and I should say that's because I've gone hard in different churches. I've been very devoted in different places and. Um, I have seen, I've witnessed um, the sort of wreckage that, you know, different church systems have, um, h- how it's kind of left different, um, different, different individuals in their lives in a mess. Um, and I just, I've been a personal witness to that. So um, it would be 
unfair for me and it wouldn't be right for me to not acknowledge the sort of harm that I've seen in the last couple of years. So as a, as a result of all that, I feel like I believe a lot of the same things about who, who Jesus is and sort of impact on, the, on, on our individual lives and what it means for eternity. But as it relates to how Christians gather, there's a lot of those things that I don't. I don't know if at this moment in my life I can encourage people to just be part of spaces that might potentially do them harm. So that's kind of where I'm at. I think I have more of a more radical approach than um, most folks here. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty comfortable where I am at right now. I think I would have wrestled. I, I would have said I, I was wrestling with this position, but I kind of feel um, that, you know, I don't know definitively where I, I sit or stand, but. As long as I know Jesus, I feel like I'm in a good place. So it's mm. good. Thanks, guys, for those snippets of your life. Is there anything that's been said between us that anybody wants to comment on or even ask further clarification on? I don't know. I think I, I just have been encouraged by I mean the fact that I I'd known all of you guys personally over the last <laughs> many years. Mm-hmm. And I think I've been encouraged by the fact that okay, we're still here, you know. Um, and that I, th- I would say that I think you all s- still believe in Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. So that's an encouragement. That's not something to take lightly. So. Awesome. Yeah, I, I would say that too. I think um, it's nice to know that I can still converse about the Lord with each one of you um, and know that you're like, you have a genuine interest to hear. Um, and I can genuinely say we've all been through our own kind of like crucible in our own different ways things that we've had to face. Um, I'm not sure how, I mean, I know maybe we've all been there for each other here and there, but perhaps maybe some of us, I don't know, you walked it alone at some point, you felt like you were alone or maybe not seen at that moment. Um, And I don't know, I I think uh, at the end of the day, like you said, we can still all come back together and it feels like time hasn't been lost. You know, even though mm-hmm. there are things that have probably shaped us and made us think differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but but at the end of the day, we would still believe the same God um, and whatnot. One of the things that I, I really wanted to open up a bit is how, because for me on my journey, I feel like I've become, in a sense, more and more aware of... Uh, my culture, being from Ghana. And uh, having been aware of that, um, it's made me kind of like, you know, look at my surroundings and what I value. Are they all, are they rooted in like my own self, in, like in my own personal interests? Or is it just, am I just like a climb, like in a situation where I just kind of like, it's culturally there and I just kind of was morphed into it. Did I choose to like this? Did I choose to believe this? Um, And I think my trip to Ghana um, two years ago really helped me, kind of like what you said, Jeff, like I I knew that I I will always believe in Jesus, right? I think I've always kept that. I believe in the tenets of the gospel. I've never questioned those things, but now I I start to think like, okay, but who are you in the center of this story? Like, do do you have value in your faith? Like, do you believe that God loves you? Or do you think that your love from God, um, is primarily drawn from how you fit within certain contexts. So like the churches you go to, the white churches you go to um, specifically, um, 
because I think so much of my faith was centered on knowing right theology and being able to speak the right theology so that I could fit in certain circles, right? Um, so, I mean, most of the churches I've been to or outside of like the churches we went to, like Christ Chapel where our parents took us, but our own choice of churches, if I quoted, if I said a quote from Augustine or Calvin or any of these dead white theologians, it was in those moments where I gained credibility. Do you know what I mean? Where I felt like, oh, people brought me in in the circles I was in, right? So those little things, like, it's like, Danfi, would you be okay if you didn't feel that, like, you didn't have to quote Calvin to fit into a circle? You just quoted some obscure preacher that nobody knows about, you know, but they love the, the gospel. Like, would you be okay? Like, is your, it's, is your, is your, you know, faith and, you know, standing in God secure enough um, and that I don't need it from, you know, the validation of the circles that I'm running in. Does that make sense? Um, so I was, I was wondering, like, I mean, a lot has happened in the last two years, even with race and all that stuff. How has that like challenged your faith, informed it or, uh, yeah. It's difficult, man. It's it's difficult. Uh, yeah, there's there's people that you love and value uh, from from all kinds of walks in life of, of life, and it's uh, the challenge for me is um, a lot of times uh, how to express, you know, and how to voice, you know, the pain that you feel, um, and oftentimes that when you uh, when you, I don't know, you, you, you witness so much, you know? So uh, for me, I've kind of like removed myself a little bit from, from all of it. And I'm just like, you know, this is going nowhere. And maybe that's not the best thing, you know? Cause a lot, a lot of times I'm just like, like, okay, this is, this is, it just takes too much to be in, in the midst of it. So I came off of social media for a little bit and I just like, all the, because a lot of people that I was close to and friends in like from Forum Circle were, you know, mostly um, like ca Caucasian Republican dudes, military guys, and and so things that were happening, it's the, it's it was just the the perspective from which they were seeing and and vocalizing their, you know what I mean, their experiences were um, completely just uh, just opposite, and a lot of times it was often done without a sense of kind of, uh, uh, what's the word, you know what I mean? Just care, you know? So, mm -hmm. I don't know. So, yeah, I think um, I, I, I think I could be a little bit better, you know, um, with how I uh, witness and cope and, and, and express myself with it. But for me, I kind of, like, removed it myself a little bit from all of it. Yeah, I think those are good points, Ryan. I, I agree with you. I, I know this is kind of what I was, I think alluding to a little bit earlier about kind of, um, yeah, for me, the way that American Christianity, how it, um, how it's informed by, I guess, the political world that we live in and sort of, um, and underneath the sort of oppressive systems that hold a particular black people, like other, other minority groups down. It's like, at some point, um, I couldn't, I just couldn't, ignore it you know anymore and just um and i think it's i think we had to be pretty circumspect about a religion that with with its sort of roots in 
you know, American slavery, you know, um, and how that might have impacts in some of the theology that we might believe today. And I'm not saying that that is, I'm not saying that that invalidates the Bible or, you know, um, some of the, some of the central truths that we believe about the Bible. But I think about a religion that doesn't question power, or po- systems of power. Um, I think that that's, <laughs> I think we need, I think we need to do a lot to, I mean, as I was in a number of churches over the last year, number of years, a number of the churches didn't have a very clear analysis of different power systems and um, how individual Christians might, how they might walk amongst those systems and how different systems might affect them. Um, and I think that's very problematic. And I think that there, it doesn't, it's not, it's not very loving, you know, to kind of ignore the, um, the ways in which people are being oppressed, you know? Um, and so because I have consistently in so many different churches and so many different places seen this lack of a very clear definition of like, there's people in power and there's people who are being oppressed. And the Bible would say something about that, about the, that relationship, because I've not seen that sort of analysis in so many different places. It's hard for me to be like, okay, I want to be in these places. I want to, I want to show up in these, in, place, in these places. So I think that's a good question for, at least it relates to my experience of the last mm-hmm. um, number of years. So my, I have two questions rooted out of you, what you said, Petey, and what Ryan said. So the first question is, what's the alternative? So if you pull yourself away, right, where are you drawing community from? Where are you drawing, because Jesus didn't save us to be, you know, yeah. isolated believers, right? And in fact, you're, you, the faith is in the mouth of another believer for you, right? There's something powerful of somebody else saying the word to you, right? That, it, that encourages you and builds you up. So perhaps I know you have legitimate reasons. I probably had those in moments where you withdraw yourself from community because it's just too much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, maybe it's, it's too much. But what is the alternative, if you withdraw, what do you do? And how can you justify that um, based on what the scriptures would commend to us? Secondly, Peter, you talked about these power structures of, you know, that we navigate through and the church doesn't highlight enough. What can you give us like a concrete, you know, example of a power structure that's overlooked continually, right? And that maybe Christians should be more aware of and speak about, right? And the power and victim dynamic, is this just like, are there people that are just found, is this like a group of people that are just always in this power dynamic? And then there's just people, these group of people that are always in the victim um, dynamic. Do they ever cross over? Those are my two questions. You want me to take over? Yeah, I mean, Jeff, you, anyone can weigh in on this. Well, I don't think there's any alternative to, you know, what... Um, what Jesus is clear about, you know what I mean? And uh, that he, that he, what he wants us to do. Like I'm, I will, I will acknowledge that, you know, I know that, you know, the, he who isolates himself seeks their own desire. You know, G- Jesus, the the word says not to um, forsake the, the assembly, you know, of, of the brethren and, um, and that those are, those are things that we should be doing. Um, it's just, I, I'm wondering if what I'm seeing in, in present day is actually, um, a, a, like a, is what the scriptures is actually talking about, um, and uh, and because I, it's because I just it's not really taking place from my experiences within it. So uh, perhaps, man, perhaps the home church is the new. I don't know, man. I, I perhaps you know what I mean. Like people, I don't know. But so, but I don't think there's. Mm-hmm. 
an alternative to truth and, and what, what God requires from us. Um, I think by his spirit, he should help us. He helps us to do it. But um, in, in regards to that question, I know. Right. Um, so, so you would say that um, the the way we experience church right now, there's something flawed with it, and that perhaps 100. Um, perhaps like you even said, like house churches would be something that. So it's not so much that you want to completely cut yourself off. You just want to see a different expression exactly. of the church. Yeah, yeah. I get that correct. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I just um, I just jump in real quick. Um, so one. I think um, we see that God, he places everyone where they're uh, to live at the exact time that he wants them to so that they might feel their way towards him. Um, So we see that in Acts 17. I think also for me, one thing that's been helpful for me is to really try to just dig into scriptures to seek some of the answers to some of the questions um, that we have in our society today. Um, when I think about Daniel, right, he was he was brought into, like, an oppressive uh, society, but he was there to be faithful, like, even in the midst of that. You know what I'm saying? And when I think of how God raises people up, right, he doesn't, always deliver people from their circumstances but he'll give them the ability to endure through their circumstances all to bring glory to him right and so one thing that i do think is something that uh pd and ryan um were touching on is somewhat how christianity and this nation like have like a relationship, how this nation has chosen at times to use Christianity for its own means, right? Mm-hmm. And they've used that um, for evil, right? One thing that um, kind of I think the scriptures are, are reflective of is in Psalm 78, verses 4 and 5, where he's given a history lesson and he's saying, like, this is going to be instructive if people can hear and know, like, what God has done in the past. And they will pass this down to their children. So in verse 4 and 5, it says, We must not hide them from their children, but must tell a future generation the praises of the Lord, his might, and the wonderful works he has performed. He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children so that a future generation, children yet to be born, might know. They were to rise and tell their children so that they might put their confidence in God and not forget his work, but keep his commands. And so oftentimes, right, when we learn about slavery in this country right we we learn about it we're not told completely the whole truth about it you know that there were people from america uh use slavery for their own means to establish this nation to make this nation great to not pay people and and they're taking advantage right and then at the same time then we're told that this is a christian nation that america was a christian nation Mm -hmm. founded on christian principles 
And we're we're not then years later. So for me in my faith walk, it wasn't until years later when I'm starting to have questions about what I'm seeing that I've been told about this nation. And then I'm starting to see like, hold up, but people did this things in the name of Jesus. Like they would enslave people and try to try to um, like use the name of Christ for their own evil. Mm-hmm. Right. And yet when I look at the Bible and I see that Israel was, was slaves to Egypt and how, God wants that truth that they were oppressed in Egypt. He wants that to be retold to future generations. Why does he want this to be done? So that they might praise God, so that they might see the good works that God has done, that God used an oppressed people, heard them when they cried out to him, and he sent someone to them to rescue them, and he was the one who took them out of slavery. He was the one who took them out of oppression, and it brings glory to him. And so God was able to use evil, right, for his own means so that it could bring glory to himself. And what what I think a lot of the questions um, that I had was dealing with the fact that a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Whenever we want to bring up slavery or anything to do with race, we're like talked down. We're told uh, Ephesians 6, 5, we're all one in Christ, right? God has broken down every single barrier. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's only one in Christ. And why do you want to talk about this? And in a certain sense, we're talked down, right? Mm -hmm. But when I look at the scriptures, when I look at Psalm 78, it doesn't tell us not to talk about these things. They were instructed to talk about these things, to pass on what had happened to a future generation. Why? So that they might know what God had done, so that it would encourage them in their faith with God, and so that it would, the next generation can praise God for his works, and so that they would know about what he has done. And that's kind of the issue that I have is a lot of times when we when we start to talk about these things, we're the ones that are looked at why y'all want to bring that up, why y'all want to talk about it. But yet at the same time, my brothers and sisters always want to say that they're Christians and they're reading the same Bibles that I'm reading. And I'm like, well, we're not instructed not to talk about these things. We're not. We should be talking about these things. And if there's an issue, the Bible has something to say about that. We see in, we see in Acts 6 that deacons were formed because the Hellenistic um, Jews were being overlooked by the Hebraic Jews. That, that seems like a social injustice where their widows were being overlooked in the distribution of food, right? Now, why were they looking like, why were they being overlooked? Because they're, they're different cultures, I okay, so there's something you're saying that I just wanted to kind of throw another bomb in there, <laughs> and uh, I agree. Those things that Israel went through, and that the former gener- generation was to remember to tell the generations to come, so that they won't forget, and then they might praise God for how He got them out. You can't really talk like that about American slavery, because um, I think the reason why the American church has a hard time talking about it is because they can't say definitively in praiseworthy words that God got them out of this. 
because okay. the church, the American church, because there were so many churches that fought against it. Fought against so, um, the abolition of slavery. So there was there's so many. It was just a despair. There's like a disparaging, you know, um, two sides where people actually didn't want it to happen. I read an article by a guy a while ago, and he made his motives known at the end of the article. But he argued strongly against because he said a lot of people like to say that you know, Dr. King, you know, they'll use him, um, and not really know everything he believed, but they'll use him as like, oh, see, it was Dr. King who spearheaded the civil rights movement. He was a Christian. God used him, right? Um, a lot of white Christians don't know a lot about King, but they'll use him to say that, oh, God was involved in this. But most of these things were forced by the Supreme Court. Like, it, it had to get to that point. It wasn't a consensus of Christian people that were like, and I don't want to make a flippant statement and say that there was no Christians involved in, like, the abolition of slavery, or there wasn't small sects of Christians working against what was normal and acceptable, but I want to say that I can't say historically that the church in America got together, rallied together, arms and like together, and said we're standing against this. We want, we don't want this. So it's hard to have praiseworthy, you know, like commendation coming from the church when they still don't even agree. Like it's this is this is the confusing about where that illustration doesn't fully. I get what you're saying, but this is why it's it's like the way it is is because. The church, the American church, is still at odds with the narrative. Yeah, it's not a consensus. I think for me, like at least what I would answer to that is, it might not be a consensus, but the church was involved, and even if it's a small, it's a, a small part of the church. We see throughout the Old Testament that Israel, right, or God's God's people, there may just be a remnant that's faithful to the Lord, and that remnant is the one that gets the job done and helps the whole nation of Israel. So it might not have been the, the whole church wasn't involved in it, but the civil rights movement was um, was instrumental because there was a section of the church that spearheads the civil rights movement. The civil rights movements was meeting in churches. It wasn't 100% all of the churches but the church was involved in that. And even if it's a remnant, I, I don't feel you can, therefore, like, because it wasn't unified, you know what I mean? That, I guess it's... Uh, yeah, I think, I think Danfie, though, has a point that, I mean, there is a significant question for people, for outsiders, looking in on Christians who are saying that we shouldn't integrate as you know there's a significant question about why why should i believe what you believe when your religion is allowing you to (laughs) continue segregation and to fight against civil rights and to fight against the abolition of slavery like i think we have to interrogate for ourselves like isn't it a reasonable thing to suggest that you know a religion that uh, uh, empowers individuals to believe very evil things about supposed brothers and I'm doing air quotes. Um, isn't that really, isn't, aren't we supposed to look at that religion with like, with, with some skepticism? Like, I think that that's, I think that's a very, it's an, it's a very natural and appropriate thing to say, if there are Christians who believe certain things about who believe that, you know, black folk are inferior, um, 
why should I believe it? Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I think, I think, I think Christianity has done a lot of harm. And I think, I think, well, you got to preface that with yeah, American yeah. Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> American Christianity is in a lot yeah, of harm. Yeah. And I don't think that we're in a, we're just not in a place as a, as a yeah. people to regularly recognize that. It's just like, I, I think the skepticism is understandable. Um, until you until you look at Christianity's the the beliefs of it the core uh, what the Bible teaches who Jesus is what he teaches and then you would realize that okay so the, so perhaps the, the I mean what should be realized is that mm. the issue isn't um, Christianity but rather the Christian it's the the issue is sinful men you know what I mean and that has been the common thread through every Mm-hmm. Um, re- religion, organization, system, da da da. Like the problem starts in our hearts, and and though, and just you know, saying that oh, I'm a Christian, and we're gonna have set up this building called a church, and we're gonna do these things through this thing is not necessarily the determining factor through which someone is actually saying like oh snap, like yo, God is amidst uh, in their midst, but rather it's it's the actual it's the actual thing that's causing them to be skeptical. It's the love between the brethren. You know what I mean? That's the identifying mark and, and, and that it's centered around this person who died and then, and, and we claim has risen from the dead and is, and then reigns now, you know what I mean? So, and that's how they know for sure. You know what I'm saying? But there's been such a huge, I don't know what's going, you know what I mean? It's, it's that it's not, I, I mean, from the outside right now, because I, I'm not even a, part of a local church and mm-hmm. so I, th- I think maybe you guys can probably tell me better you know what i mean but it's not visible you know what i'm saying so that that love there so uh what, what do you mean you say it's not visible um i mean if i if so the way in the world which the world is looking at it so and uh, of course like a lot of political like groups have hijacked it you know christianity and and we're used a lot as far as, um, you know, we're, we're almost seen as synonymous with being like re- white Republican. Da 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 da. We have these certain kind of views. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, a lot of people in the church has also adapted that kind of um, evangelical persona, like you know what I mean? That that's popular, you know. And um, it, it the, w- people look at Christianity today and say, f- from the outside looking in, and they're saying this is what the church is like. I mean, just a general consensus. There's a view of just disunity and yeah, and and strife. You know what I mean? So yeah, and so I think even amongst like Jesus and his um, his disciples, so you got Jesus bringing together um, people from totally different backgrounds. You got a zealot in there. You got a tax collector. You got um, just the fact that Jesus brings people together who don't believe the same thing, who don't have the same values, right? Mm -hmm. And they are coming together. Why? It's because of Jesus. Like, it's because of him. He unifies people. He breaks down barriers. Now, what people do who come to Jesus, if they had different beliefs before they came to Jesus, they may still have those beliefs they may wrestle with those beliefs and even in the in the new testament what we see is is we see people struggled with um with different views peter 
Um, at one point, he wants to hang out with the Gentiles. Then when the Jews come around, he wants to act like, yo, he doesn't know the Gentiles, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You have at the Lord's Supper, when we look at the Lord's Supper passage, we see that rich people were coming together. They're eating food. Poor people are being left without. Paul has to correct them before our passage that we read every Lord's Supper that Paul has to correct them. What are you guys doing? Don't you have your own homes to eat and get drunk in? Yeah. Like, so the scriptures address this fact that, look, we are unified in Christ, Mm -hmm. right? We truly are, but yet there's a wrestle with division that comes up amongst amongst the body, and it's because of sin. Yeah. It's because we all have sinful hearts, right? And we, one, need God to look at our hearts. We need God to change us. We need God to help us. And we also need to try to allow that, that change that God does within our lives to flow into this world. And we need to try to be the change that we want to see in, in the world. There are injustices in this world, but we know that ultimately God is the one who is going to put all injustice to end one day. And until he comes, Christians can be and should be those who are fighting against the injustices that we see in the world. What's a problem is when you have Christians who should be fighting against injustice um, are like turning a blind eye. Or maybe they're the main oppressors. Like they're they the can, ones doing the injustice. Yeah, yeah, you get what I'm saying? And you know what? That's what I want to say. Is it fair to say that? Okay, so what Petey said earlier, you know, um, that, I mean, you look skeptically at the church when you see some of these people want, like, if we were, listen, I we've all probably read some of the um, reformed thinkers in the past, right? And some of them will probably would have thought it okay for us to be slaves if they saw us. They would have completely th- thought that was okay. Yep. Um, but... It's it's almost it's hard because even with our own walk with God, we see these moments of growth where we can feel the presence of the Lord and feel like we're getting somewhere. And then in that same shadow or in that light is a shadow of like our sinfulness. And it's like, how can a person who knows that about the Lord commit such a sin? You see what I'm saying? Um, and I think I think it's fair we can we can say that some of those churches in that time maybe were not churches. It was an edifice to like their own idolatry, okay. whiteness, right? Whatever it may be. And and we can see that today. There are a lot of churches around that aren't churches. Do you know what I mean? Like they just it's an edifice to what? The prosperity gospel, whatever it is that they they want, they gather to for, right? So we can say that everything that calls itself a church may not be a church, right? But then we can also say that there are legitimate churches that commit massive blunders, mm-hmm. right? And kind of like what you're saying, we all have, you know, moments of complete, like, you know, weaknesses and whatnot. And it's the same idea of, like, I think this is why the Bible speaks in language of, like, brother, sister. And I think it's intentional in doing that because in your family, there are, whether it's your sibling, your uncle, there are people that you hardly, di- like, you really disagree with. Like, you, you, you probably get in fight with them over disagreements because you don't see eye to eye on things. But you walk away and be like, yeah, that's my crazy brother. You know, like you walk away and you say, brother, you say, that's my brother. And you wouldn't deny them if they were in some like difficulty because there's a bond that just happened. You were born into that. I think the church is supposed to supersede that. Right. So this is this is a check to my own self, because it's easy for me to write off other Christians that I think are lunching. 
especially on social media, over Black Lives Matter or COVID. Because they've all come out. Weird thoughts have come out. You start to find out your brother over there is like, dang, most of your thoughts are very racist, right? But then you're like, I know you're a Christian, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you, I, can't, I can't call into question their faith. But it's difficult to love them. But that's exactly what Jesus said. They'll know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another, not the theology you agree on, Yeah, which is hard. Rick, we got a, a special guest coming in, Mr. White. He's coming in. He wants to weigh in on this. Yeah, uh, it sounds like, you know, um, y'all are saying pretty much a lot of the same things. Um, one of the things that I, I, I want to say is um, the Bible says, and you, you hit on this, uh, Ryan, um, sin, men are evil. The Bible is full of evil men. Everybody in the Bible other than Jesus is evil. When you think about David, David, as, as great as we, the church, you know, will hype David up to be, David committed adultery. David, uh, he committed murder. He didn't just murder Uriah. He put the whole uh, army on the front line. And so a lot of them dudes was killed. We look at Samson. Samson was sleeping with prostitutes. I don't know what good Samson did in most of his life. But mm -hmm. we find him in Hebrews chapter 11. And, and so the only person in the Bible that's good is Christ. And so we have to take that mentality to, to, the, to the world. The Bible says the world is fallen. The world is evil. And, and so we'll look at our experiences and we'll paint these experiences with kind of like a broad stroke. But each of us has individual experiences. And I, I think it's wrong to paint it with a broad stroke and say mm -hmm. everybody is happy in the church or everybody is unhappy in the church. Mm -hmm. but this is actually, you know, a, as much as it is a, a unified walk with the brethren, it's a, 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 a unilateral walk, you know, between you and God. And so... I think we have to approach it in that way or else we'll go crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, the brother analogy that you gave, we are all brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it's crazy people in your family, you know, and same thing in the family of Christ. And then everybody that's in the family of Christ is not really in the family of Christ. And so all these things that y'all are saying are, are true. And well, so we got to navigate ourselves through. That. I got a question on that. So at what point... Do we, does that become an easy pass out of walking in difficult waters to get out of it? By that I mean, we know David did that crazy stuff. But one of the things people don't like to talk about is what God told David after. I will raise up hell in your house. There was consequences for what he did. Samson's life was cut short. Yeah. You know, he, yeah, he killed a lot of people in his last act of great strength. But he was cut short because he was disobedient. He didn't go about the way God wanted things to be done. So I guess my question is, at what point do we look at the history of the church and the history of mankind, right, and acknowledge the evils and people actually suffer consequences from it? Whereas I feel like the nation of America has gotten away. Like, yeah, we Christians can acknowledge, yeah, that was wrong. Evil men can do evil things. But at what point do we hold each other accountable to say that, okay, that was wrong, but let's fix it now? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Because if you committed evil towards me, right, I, I'm not just a good friend by telling you did the wrong thing. I'm a better friend by making sure you're held accountable to it, mm. right? So I think with American Christianity, 
and I, I, I get into these, some of these topics, it's like most of your white brothers and sisters, it could be, it doesn't matter the race because there's black people who think the same thing too. They just want to kind of get over it. Let's just get over it. My thing is, I understand that. I want, I don't like to bring up things just for the sake of like bringing tension into the room. But my important thing is like, at what point do I hold you accountable so that we can actually move forward? Because even in a marriage, in the most deepest relationships, you just bearing your feelings creates resentments, right? You have to communicate it so that, the, the, so that it moves forward in a healthy way where you don't have like these harbored thoughts. And I think this is what happens to some of these. You see recent um, exoduses of black Christians leaving churches and going to like all black churches or whatever it is. And I, I actually don't agree with that. I, I don't think it's right. I think the, the, the diversity within a church is an expression of God's power, right? Um, but... It's because they haven't been heard and they haven't had a, a willing listening ear, right? And maybe it's not all that. There can be other things at play. But I'm, what, I guess I, what I'm putting at, at, in front of you guys is like, how do you acknowledge men are sinful and evil? Absolutely. But then there's also good things men do. Yeah. And we need to hold them accountable for their evil and also hold them accountable for the, the capacity they have with the spirit in their life to do good, right? I can't just tell you, it's not enough for me to just tell you, oh, I agree with you, we should get over it and then hold hands. Yeah. When there's good you can do, I need to tell you, do the good. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I, I think you have to walk in that reality. Absolutely, amen. If somebody does something, they need to be held accountable for it by all means. Uh, but we need to accept that as a reality that, okay, everybody is not going to get along. Look, Paul was like, Man, I don't want nothing to do with Mark. That dude abandoned me. I'm gone. Yeah. And, and sometimes that happens. And I think we'll look at it like, oh, that's a, a bad thing or a good thing. But it's it's more so a reality thing based on the, the situation and the consequences that come out of that situation. And so that, that that's definitely a reality. Yeah, I think that's good language. As it, I think that that's, good, as, that's a good scenario to kind of explain where I'm at. Um, with regard to, and putting in air quotes, um, our brothers that, you know, are like white evangelicals. Um, and because I'm at a place, I am recognizing my limitations as a human being. Um, I have a job that I work and I have a family that I care for. Beyond that, caring for and trying to um, labor with <laughs> all of these <laughs> folks who, who, who don't even want to acknowledge, you know, what's clear to all of us, that there's like systems of oppression holding other people down. My, I don't really feel responsible for those folks, and I don't think that I have the capacity to even, to even consider them, to even think about them. Yeah. I am doing my own thing. It's, it's hard enough. And, it, and I think it's important for all of us here. It's like we are, we are, not, we are just getting by. We, it is not also our responsibility to take other folks and put them on our back and carry them towards salvation. That's not us. We are trying to survive in this world, and, and by God's grace, we've, we've done it so far. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's my calling. It might be else. It's not my calling to also bear the burden of trying to see um, the you know, whole group of white Christians how, have, have it 
it's not my responsibility to, uh, to, to have them see what's clearly see, seen by other people. Like, that's not my, that's not my role. So I feel like Paul talking about Mark, yo, the Lord will handle that. That's not on me. I'm mm-hmm. going to do my own thing. I'm going to try to be a faithful Christian. And if that means that I need to go and only be Christians, um, be in a space where there's other black folk. That's, Let me ask you this. Where does the cost of love come in in your life? Then, as a believer? I mean, I mean, I've, I mean, I've, I've already labored in these places, in these places. I've already borne my soul. And I'm like, I'm, a, I'm at a place where it's just like, I'm just now recovering from all of the trauma and all of the harm. There's, it would be wrong for me to not recognize this sort of, um, like I went to a Christian college where they didn't even want to recognize black history month. Like they, there was issues with that and the sort of harm that does that done, you know, that sort of experience that's not good. That's just not good. I, it's not my responsibility to go through that continually. Um, when they won't even acknowledge, it's just like what, what we're asking for is basic acknowledgement, and folks won't even do that. Um, so until they're able to, you know, figure some things out on their own, I'm just going to do my own thing and just live my life to the best of my ability, help my, other, help my brothers and sisters out, care for my family, that's that's all I that's all I can do. So I think it's it's easy to hear uh PD situation and um and uh my brother Ryan's situation and try to diagnose them in some way and say, okay, uh, you know, where's the love or or where's the zeal to kind of hang in there rather than understand that man, these two people have been hurt. Mm-hmm. It, it's not uh by uh, something just in their hearts, but it's a reaction to what they experience. And so as brothers and sisters, what's our job to do? Is our job is it our job to diagnose them? Uh, is it our job to, to uh, judge them in some type of way? Or is it our job to go to their father and say, man, my brother's hurting in this way, and these are the ways that he's told me he's hurting. Lord, help him. Lord, help them. You know, mm-hmm. and if God gives us a word, be faithful to say, hey, brother, I believe that this is what the Lord is saying. What do you think about that? Yeah. Is it too much to ask for them to hurt in the house instead of outside of the house? It may be. It may be de- depending on what they experienced in the house. And we don't know that how that experience they experienced in the house is reflective of what they deal with in their hearts and their mind with their traumas and things of that nature. So, okay. So would it be okay to say that? Okay. Maybe you don't get better in this house, but get better in another house instead of sitting outside. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you will want that in in a perfect world. You will want them to say, okay, try this house. Oh man, this is the house for me. But that's not necessarily that it's going to be like, you go into that, you be like, Oh, this is a house for me, but that you just, there's a safety in being in the house. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Why you hurt. And that when you're out, that, but maybe in the house that you were, maybe but not. I, and I think it's the Lord that provides that that answer, and that's why we pray. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. And I, I think um, also there's Paul's and then there's Barnabas's. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, as much as we can, uh, thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing that, bro. Like, um, and you too, Ryan. Like, I appreciate. Um, you you just bearing your soul, man, and and like that's not easy, you know, and um, yeah, that's yeah. excellent. I we're gonna I'm gonna pick up another one, um, because I'm gonna open up like another can of worms. But 
let's pick it up on another episode, okay? So we'll we'll close this one and then we'll uh, pick up another one coming soon. That's connected to this podcast. So listeners, stay tuned. There's another one coming. Thanks, guys. <laughs>